The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I have low blood pressure and high expectations. I'm just like Punxsutawney Phil. Grounded, sleepy, and usually wrong. (laughs) (laughs) You guys, it's... Some, what is it? Spring has come, and so well. No way, that's gonna go terribly. It's Andy's <laughs> curls. It's episode five hundred, whatever. And I'm so excited to be joined by a return guest on Groundhog Day. A very special episode. A very special episode, and maybe just like every minute or something, we'll just restart. Right? Yeah. Shouldn't that be the theme? It's yeah. just like every two minutes, we just do a good Redo morning. The tagline. It's yeah. Andy's girls, you guys. And... I got you, babe. Starts playing. <laughs> Did I ever tell you, I don't know why I would, how that would come up in conversation, the one time I met Bill Murray, who's like the light of my life. He's like one of those Mm -hmm. people I've interacted very, like barely, not even with like Robin Williams, who may his memory be a blessing, like huge, huge, huge influence in my life. There have been a couple people who are like incredibly influential and Bill Murray is one of them. Mm -hmm. And I had just seen Philip Seymour Hoffman in Death of a Salesman. I was had a whole thing with Meredith Vieira who was next to and we were like crying at the end. It was a mm-hmm. whole thing. She was, we ended up doing some, whatever. It was, she was <laughs> phenomenal. Phen- she's a, what she's an angel mm-hmm. in this world. So we just like said, we had been talking and chatting during intermission at the end. I, we were just like both fully overwhelmed. I was like, goodbye, goodbye. And then I walked home, sobbed the entire walk home because the combination of Philip Seymour Hoffman mm-hmm. and Andrew Garfield destroying me ripping out and i was hysterically crying on the phone to my then boyfriend trying to explain to him that like this was like the most wrenching thing i've ever seen in my life and bill murray walks by and i'm still crying and i just look up from my phone still crying and i say hey i'm a big fan and then i just continue (laughs) crying both of us (laughs) while we're literally going different directions and the look of like confusion on his face to this like sobbing <laughs> young woman just being like hey i'm a big man and then just we not i didn't stop he didn't stop yeah. that's a very new york kind of thing oh, honestly yeah. to do um just a moment just a mo- so happy what's the what did the fucking groundhog say it said like oh wake the fuck up what did it um say? i believe he said spring is actually coming early or six week whatever the six week thing which almost never happens usually it's like they break out all the top hats and then are just like oh, more winter as we expected but this time he actually said spring's coming now nothing against the groundhog and i don't want to you know small business owner i don't want to take away mm-hmm. anything from his important job yeah. you know we all have you know 1099s to file or whatever but um didn't we already know that i mean it's we're no longer having winter time here in new york it's it's crazy so he's right you're saying <laughs> that's what i'm hearing <laughs> Do we need him to know? I was literally walking around yesterday and I truly, genuinely thought to myself, so winter is no longer Mm. a thing. Not that I'm- It's so warm. It's so warm. I think Groundhog Day was invented by the top hat industry to sell top hats. (laughs) Yep. Mm -hmm. And it's a 
scheme perpetrated by Todd. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Also, um, we do have to shout out the one of the worst people to come out of New York City, Bill de Blasio, who quite oh, literally yeah. murdered mm-hmm. one Famously. of these beautiful Phils. Quite yep. literally. Dropped him from the greatest height imaginable. This is an eight-foot-tall man we're talking about. <laughs> Just so he can't even fucking hold a groundhog without fucking it up. And no. then I think he made a joke about it. Sir, you like <laughs> grievously injured this poor little hog. And it did die. It did die. <laughs> He killed Phil. If that didn't ruin his, I don't know, time as a mayor, I don't know Mm. what could, aside from everything else and eating pizza with a fork. I think the one thing that kept him in the, he would have been donezo if it were any other groundhog apart from the Staten Island one. That's what was his saving grace was it was just the Staten Island one. So it was like, oh, true. And you know what? I don't even know where he ate that pizza. Could have been Staten Island too. It's true. I think there is a law. Nothing in Staten Island counts. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh just some intra new york <laughs> you got, if you're from Staten island you understand it's a joke um listen i'm so excited for this return guest someone who's told us that spring is is coming is here and we're so excited to have his thoughts on a couple other shows you know him as a bravoholic vulture blogger whose other credits include vogue the Cut and the LA Times, among others. Tom Smith, or as I like to call him, Tom Smith Smythe. Tom, <laughs> did I? I just called you Smith when I meant to say Smythe. Tom, I missed Smythe, it. So it's okay. Who I usually call Tom Smith Smythe, but is in fact Tom Smythe. Tom Smythe Smith Smith Smythe. How <laughs> are we? I'm great. I can't believe I talked so much about Groundhog Day pre-introduction. I didn't even realize. You know what? Sometimes I do just as like a fun little like cheeky thing for myself. I do like to extend the pre-introduction talk. (laughs) That is a genuine strategic choice because it's like a little game for myself because I'm so fortunate to have like so many friends as co-hosts. Oftentimes I will forget to introduce them. So it's like the little memory game of, and are you going to remember to tell people who this is speaking in their their dulcet tones and their little ears? It's not an organic thing to, in a conversation. Yep. Be like, oh, hello. Yeah, I do like to. Um, I like to strengthen those muscles as mm. I as I can, as is sort of you know required yeah, in many by ways. doing it in real life. By doing it in real life. <laughs> Speaking of real life, we do have to note that you are the creator and proprietor of one of my all time favorite Bravo shops and really <laughs> art museums, Milk and Don't Call Me Honey. And guys, if you have not gone to Milk and Don't Call Me Honey. I mean, there's an illustration here. There's an illustration in the um, restroom. They are so fabulous about Bravo figures, pop culture figures. I do have your beautiful illustration of Kim Kardashian with Not Bad for a Girl with No Talent on display, on display, on display each and every day, every day, every day here in the office. I mean, you are just, you're a renaissance man. And I love it. <laughs> I totally, you. I totally do. Thanks. I try. (laughs) What's your biggest seller of late? What's been like the number one thing that people have been yearning for, buying, um, engaging with on social? Has there been like one or two pieces? Um, I think there are some classics that the white refrigerator always does well because I think people can put it on their white refrigerator as a magnet. Yeah, as I need to. I need to get a magnet. Um, and then in terms of I've I've been doing some of um some stuff from the traders and that's just been that's like a custom made like quote factory of a show what do you think has stood out for you um quote wise lord not ekansu 
Lord, not I can sue. That's a huge one. That I will just be saying to myself for years to come mm. every day. It's sort of um, in the vein of uh, the St. Phaedra. Oh. Just like a brief little, like, mm -hmm. who would have thought and just is ingrained into one's brain chemistry. Um, and then uh, the back and forth between Janelle and Sandra. Oh, yeah. That's a good, because it's just very, like, a good back and forth for, mm -hmm. like, pulling quotes and like that's the fun thing about that account is being able to like pull the quotes out of context and just like really take a look at them like in black and white <laughs> just really bask in the majesty of of these wordsmiths and uh a good back and forth like that where it's like yeah drink that water you're nervous aren't you no my mouth's just dry <laughs> like it's so it's great to just see things like that written out so yeah it's been truly traders has been a joy, but I do have to say that there have been some Housewives franchises just mm. knocking it out of the park this week. And while I know that Salt Lake City has, you know, taken up a certain amount of room in our collective minds, mm -hmm. can we talk a little bit about the roller coaster ride that was Beverly Hills? Can we talk a little bit about it? Absolutely. It's just a, like a roller coaster. It is. And I sort of want to start, if possible, with that last moment of the episode, which was sort of burned in my memory, except do I remember the direct quotes? Absolutely, yeah. I do not. When um, Sutton is having this kind of sort of not both breakdown and breakthrough, come to Jesus conversation with herself and certainly with us, IRL and in confessionals, mm -hmm. about the ways that she has connected losing her dad, her dad's death, mm -hmm. with the death of her dear friend and mentor, and the knowledge that like she lost the portion of her dad's ashes that we that she had, and now she's releasing mercies and the loss of her marriage and feeling like in the story of her life and in the recall and memory of her life, feeling like feeling an understanding that she needs to go back to that 24-year-old independent, mm -hmm. Lil Sutton. She needs to return to New York Sutton again. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. It was almost like a bottle episode yes. of like Sutton, of just like her, which is so great because I feel like some um, criticism that I've seen generally speaking about Sutton is that people feel like we haven't gotten like too much of that backstory mm. and like dug quite as deep. And I think some of that comes from the fact that we don't really see her kids too much. Um, and I feel like this really scratched that itch because it was this like visit to her past in a way that was really, really fascinating to hear about. It was a little bit of a memory play. Like Tennessee Williams mm. didn't dare dream soundtrack, no. but it felt it felt it felt so dramatic and like the stakes were so high and the look in her eyes in her just like when she's talking about the ashes and when she's talking about the fact that this has to do with my dad, the look in her eyes in her confessional, I was floored. I was yeah weeping i just it really it, not that it fucked me up but like it kind of fucked me up it was just it was so heavy but also so meaningful to me mm -hmm. i really thought yeah 100 percent. and it was just that like i feel like bravo viewers are especially are so great at clocking that authenticity and that rawness and i feel like this was 
her really, really delivering on that or exposing that in a way that we hadn't gotten to see quite as in depth. And it was, and I feel like what was great too, like you were saying in the confessional, we were able to see it in both the confessional and real time as it was playing out on on the trip with the ashes. Yeah. And so often with these housewives trips, it's like, okay, who makes sense for whatever? We're going to pretend it's like your quote unquote trip. And then I guess you guys like fight over rooms or whatever. (laughs) Megan King Edmonds going to Ireland. (laughs) (laughs) Megan King Edmonds going to Ireland to stand on a streetcar. Are you my uncle? Are you my family? (laughs) Like it just truly, that was maybe the lowest, but also highest point Mm -hmm. in determining (laughs) whether or not someone should be a housewives trip host. But with Sutton's trip, I'm like, oh no, this is Sutton's trip. This entire mm-hmm. thing feels like Sutton's trip, sort of close, honestly, and no disrespect, but like sort of close to like Bethany's Mexico tequila trip, except that was fully branded. Like that felt like Bethany Bethany's trip. This yeah. feels like Sutton tri- Sutton's trip in a more generous to me dynamic way, just mm-hmm. in terms of the narrative of this person's experience and meeting her you know long-term not long lost but like long-term friend i just really i was extremely into it it, in the sense that this trip would be happening whether or not there were cameras that's always amazing to see because that's the rarest possible except like the jersey girls going down the shore Mm. like outside of that it's very rare that some of these trips would be happening if it weren't for the show but this one felt like it would be it really did and it was just like honestly gangbusters from start to finish i mean nobody underperformed everybody Mm -hmm. to me delivered in different ways like fucking dorit kemsley had some great one-off confessional moments that made me feel less dirty about i mean i still feel dirty about what she said prior but i was Mm -hmm. like oh okay great there's still a dorit that can make me laugh in there like thank fucking god like i this is a nice you know she's not back next season i don't know what's gonna happen but Mm -hmm. if she's not back this kind of dorit is a nice sort of swan song to have of like someone just like saying cheeky things and using her like frisky frisky little dorit voice i was i was into like even dorit even dorit (laughs) was solid in this episode Mm -hmm. And Erica, I think, had a tour de force in terms of just diversifying the offerings that we we're getting throughout the episode. Like we we're getting those deep, serious things with Sutton. And then Erica would come in and say, Merce and a purse. Merce and a purse. <laughs> Which was great. And then she would, uh, her like Jeopardy trivia knowledge that she just whipped out of nowhere where she was just uh, having those conversations and was like, yes, the Sunni and the Shiite, of course, yes. And and dropping all of these. And I've, just the best. Have you part- heard of the prophet? Absolutely, I have. And I'm like, <laughs> yes. she has. She really has. Uh, yeah. It was, it, it was reminding me of one of my favorite Erica moments of all times, which was, I was a young boy once on a ship. <laughs> <laughs> I lived a life as a young boy on a ship and I was kidnapped in the bottom of the ship. <laughs> and I sort of believed her in that too. I oh, hundred percent. That's that's why I think she knows all these things because of all those past highs. <laughs> I think she lived in the Fertile Crescent. It's true. I mean, Erica to me in that moment, 
first off, the fact that she seemed to be strategizing getting batshit drunk to get back <laughs> at Sun, I was like, we have this on video. This yeah. was captured. And of all the things you can do to seek revenge from what's been reported about Eric and otherwise, this seems the most ideal mm-hmm. to like have her do a little extra turtle timing. Like, oh, 100%. This is great. I also thought she genuinely handled herself well. And I also watched her interactions with the guests and with her cast and honestly, like with her glam and thought to myself, this is what Dorinda thought she she did mm. when she was on that charity aid trip with Bethany. Like Dorinda oh thought she God, rolled so up right. into that dinner and had interesting questions about colleges and whatever else and was like making conversation and putting together points that are based in some sort of semblance of reality and not stereotype and mm-hmm. just like really having a moving, interesting, dynamic conversation. Meanwhile, everyone she's at the table with is completely mortified versus yeah. what Erico is doing, which is like, is she plastered? Yes, but she's still like <laughs> connecting and saying things that maybe nobody else at the table from the BH cast knows. Yeah, it re- that's such a accurate um, equivalency or false equivalency if it's Dorinda's point of view. But um, it kind of reminds me of um, Casey Wilson on Happy Endings. There's this scene where they realize, if I'm remembering correctly, but there's a where she realizes when she gets like blackout drunk, she could speak fluent, mm-hmm. fluent Italian, I think. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's Erica just got completely sloshed and suddenly can recall every world event and <laughs> just with ease. <laughs> I did have that moment one day in Mille. Thank you so much for that. Probably <laughs> fucked pronunciation where I had some wine mm-hmm. with a Frenchman and his um, French woman friend. And he said, um, "What did, I don't remember what his like phrasing was, but it was something along the lines of like, I'll pay, but you can only speak French. And I, je parle français un peu. It's, it's a, it's I literally, mm-hmm. and I get so clenched and so nervous when I'm speaking French to French people because I'm just like, I'm going to embarrass you. So I just need to start with the English. But, and that, but that's the worst thing you can do. What yeah. you should be doing is trying. But I, I get so, like, so, so, so freaked out because I'm like, this is embarrassing. Mm-hmm. And I spoke French the whole fucking night. <laughs> and I don't know what I said or what I meant, but the, something about the, maybe it's the inhibitions around fear yeah. get released. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to just fucking say whatever and maybe I'll make up some words and stuff mm-hmm. and you know what i'm saying we're yeah. communicating we're bonding we're connecting in this moment <laughs> i mean there's nothing better than that and meanwhile he was like she didn't she didn't speak any french no and then he was like <laughs> can i nuzzle your neck or something and i was like all right fine like, <laughs> like i'm in france nothing matters here it is a it is a suspended universe that i crave um i it, it's it there was something so magical about Erica during the over the course of this mm-hmm. episode she really genuinely to me delivered and has been having a comeback season like a triumphant one yeah. but then she has these little moments of I can't believe the rest of the cast didn't apologize to me and I'm just thinking sweetie what would they be apologizing to you for yeah the gather around ladies we're gonna read this court thing about the earring i was like this is so like we're doing so well like why would we bring back this your downfall essentially because it's not enough of a victory like there's no victory for you in this no matter what like you are not gonna be the victim who then gets to take a lap in any realm even if it's like oh you're totally clear in this like you can't even celebrate that because it's there's still actual victims so it's a weird thing to want to circle back to and kind of on that note i agree she's been having such a great comeback season and has been doing amazing 
which I hope doesn't get thrown away by uh, The Housewife and the Hustler Part 2. <gasps> which came out this week. That looks that looks a lot stronger than Part 1. Like, yeah. That I mean, looks, they got her for it. So They got her for it, and, and it, it looks... It looks wild, does it not? Yeah. The fact that they're having her sit down with the victims. Yeah. And based on the trailer, that's not like a that does that conversation seems like it'll t- take some turns. It seems like more of a housewife's conversation than a Mia culpa. Like she s- looked like she had her guards still up in a way that she shouldn't have. <laughs> well, I also feel like I saw a content creator, and I'm so sorry, I forget who it was that posted, but someone posted along the lines who has like inside scoop. I don't remember if it was Kiki, the talk of shame, or Lawrence Gay, the Zen Blood. Someone posted who had like more info, or maybe the Bravo Docket, who had info on what happened and like the stuff that happened since, and said essentially, you know, the the Tom's victims maybe felt a certain way and potentially positive about that meeting with Erica, and it has changed in like the months that have followed. So um, I don't know. I think there was probably going to be a certain amount of conversation around how we see their feel, like how they talk about their feelings about that meeting mm-hmm. with Erica on the episode versus now oh, yeah. IRL. There how might be settled. a little bit of a change. Um, yeah, that looks nuts. Yeah, that's I. I also can't believe Bravo. Bravo must be so pissed that they didn't get that like meeting do you think that they would want it though i guess she would look yeah. terrible i mean i feel like bravo doesn't care about making her look terrible or making the housewives look that's true. terrible in general but i that's why i'm surprised she would do it because she's really the one who i would think wouldn't want to do that on housewives because she'd look terrible but if she's doing it anyway she surely thinks she'll come out looking better so maybe honestly maybe the the victims didn't want to do it on housewives because it's her turf so that actually makes that actually makes the most sense in terms of why it's why this meeting is happening on the abc news like hulu doc versus on like a bravo thing or I do also think there's something to be said for like the amount of seemingly like court wins that she's had and the mm-hmm. fact that there has been a separation of time yeah. and seemingly day-to-day comms between Erica and Tom that has helped separate her seemingly from his crimes, which I think has enabled her to feel a little bit more comfortable talking about things because she doesn't feel like maybe everyone she's interacting with or everyone watching is going to be as militantly... Um, feeling that she was like directly involved with some of his illegal acts as was suggested prior or just kind of theorized. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a part a part of it maybe, but also Erica on Housewives continuing to connect her own feeling of jubilation and celebration around a legal win when you know the other side of that. Yeah. Isn't it's not like the federal court. It's like if she wins, victims are losing mm-hmm. when it comes to the earrings, whatever else. So why she would think there would be a celebration around that, let alone an apology going her way. Mm-hmm. She's still framing it around legal questions that may or may not have been answered versus the empathy here of like it's yeah. so callous to but it's her life she's going to center it but like to center your legal wins as being some sort of 
morality parade. That's not how the people's lives were broken by this man. Mm-hmm. Whether or not this the earrings are going X, Y, or Z or proven X, Y, or Z, the the victims' lives are still over. The the point that the women were communicating was why wouldn't you want to help them? That you're not going to get an apology for. You should ideally have more of an understanding of that over time. Mm-hmm. Her point of view must just be so, not tunnel vision, but m- like she must be focused on the smallest like minutia of it in the sense that for her, this whole thing, sh- her focus is on the relationship between her and the other women. Yeah. And so she isn't focused on like the grand scheme of things and how that looks. She's probably more focused on the betrayal in those friendships or relationships, Mm -hmm. which is wrong. I think is the wrong view to have, but that's the only explanation for why she would feel a certain way about this mm-hmm. is because she's just so focused on the interpersonal between she and them rather than this massive arc of and this massive um story with the victims and and the grand scheme of things because it just doesn't add up to like the outside point of view whatsoever and it is also one of those examples of like Uh, a quote-unquote storyline that is just too big for the show. Mm -hmm. The stakes are so high, and especially in a franchise in Beverly Hills, which, uh, like Beverly Hills, which to me does its best work when there are low stakes treated as high, Mm. this is not landing in the way because it sort of shouldn't exist here. It's so dark and so bleak. And when she herself kind of leaves that trap... I understand that for her, there's a recognition that people have about the fact that, you know, things that were said about her are maybe untrue, but also, you know, did you benefit without knowing, you Mm -hmm. know, did you benefit? Let's say she didn't know anything about like, did you benefit as a result of what he did? That is an ongoing question that I don't know will go away regardless of what the court says, because you really only have to look at her life on housewives to see how successful it was you know i just i think when she leans into this i understand why she does i'm sure she still feels incredibly upset and defensive but i don't know has tom apologized to you i know that we're talking about the women but if it needs to be housewives specific and she's been open about you know the divorce and and maybe some of the realities of their marriage why aren't we talking about that aspect of it? Mm-hmm. Like where the acknowledgement of guilt to put that on the women who are trying to get her to understand that like these victims are victims and maybe in her mind, like these victims are also victims versus Tom. Like where, where is his repentance? Mm-hmm. I also like in terms of um, Beverly Hills as like, a show being equipped to handle this, I would almost expect, because I think when it first came out, a lot of people were felt that there was a lacking in terms of the other housewives going after her. I think Sutton really carried that torch. And I think people were like, oh, if she were on this city or this city, she'd be done for. Like, she's getting it so easy on Beverly Hills, which is interesting because I sort of feel like in a way, Beverly Hills is the 
most well-equipped city to handle such darkness because I feel like that darkness is in the DNA of the show from the beginning, those early seasons, some of the darkest things we've ever seen on reality television. I think that um, in an odd way, I think the O.J. Simpson trial is like built into the fabric of this show from like early days just the connection and the web of that has just kind of reverberated throughout it um things like that where i think it's the darkest foundation and the most cracked and just horrific foundation above which like a gorgeous smooth marble is just laid right on top And then underneath, it's just pure darkness, as opposed to some of the other shows and their like themes or whatever. That I feel like is such a ever present thing with Beverly Hills. So on one hand, you would think, I mean, on one hand, I feel like this fits right in and I would imagine they'd be better at handling it at this point. But on the other hand, I'm like, does this also just kind of align with how they do handle it in terms of it being so dark, but they still keep a a veneer kind of just over it. Like they just kind of cover it with like a cloth and like the construction in Dorit's home during a party Mm -hmm. and just kind of be like, here's boy George. Yeah, exactly. Like, (laughs) like it's interesting how they handle it because I do feel like it is this recurring thing at this point. That's such a good point. And sometimes I i mean, it's impossible to forget. And yet we've been in a different era of Housewives just because we're 13 or however many seasons in. But mm-hmm. yeah, the very nature of the first season of the show, the ending of the finale episode yeah. of the first season of, you know, you're an alcoholic and then going straight into the fallout of that and then the Russell suicide and accusations of abuse. I mean, mm-hmm. Fuck, it got really fucking dark. Yeah. It it really did. That was the setup, which is so almost odd when you think about a lightness and almost like nothing burgerness that has permeated Beverly Hills at points. Mm-hmm. You know, the I hate to say it, like Lucy Lucy of it all. When you think yeah. about the different eras of Beverly Hills, there's something to be said for not really, as I said, not but not being normally changing your mind based on new information, not being able to say like this is too dark for Beverly Hills because Beverly Hills was created in a place that was pretty fucking dark. Yeah. And maybe that's sort of the art of it is that frivolity is just a guise. And even with Lucy Lucy, <laughs> the serious with the with, with <laughs> Lucy, 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 yeah. But with that, even that, it's like, oh, on the surface, this is so stupid and frivolous and I can't believe we're giving air to this. Just like an inch underneath that, you yeah. have the stuff about um the death in LVP's family happening around that mm. time. And the kind of notion that that was the thing underneath, that was the darkness underneath the surface of that and why it blew up that friendship and why it blew up that season. Did it have, was it really about the dog or was it what was underneath that the same way that with like, it it feels like Beverly Hills has this, uh, likes to sprinkle stupid, frivolous stuff Mm -hmm. on top of pure darkness as almost like a garnish. And then when we look at it at surface level, we're like, 
this is giving nut like the these few pantygate this or that mm-hmm. it's like these idiotic little things but i think when you dig a little deeper and they don't always dig a little deeper sometimes they leave it right under the surface um but i i think there's that dark stuff always there uh not to equalize or equate it to everything else we've discussed but i mean obviously we know we're barreling toward the kyle and mauricio of it all i was Mm. about to say the kyle mauricio reveal but i think the whole point of the season is that information has been sort of sprinkled on top and has been revealed and then this episode we get that like little facetime where it's like this is ostensibly a nothing burger this is just kyle trying to talk to her husband and the facetime service isn't great Mm -hmm. but there's also i think a little bit of an edge to it as there is an edge to seemingly all of their communications not helped or maybe helped by the fact that we know what's coming yeah i i do wonder with all of those little kind of sprinklings of like the breadcrumbs Mm -hmm. that we're getting with kyle and mauricio like if all of that stuff happened and they were fine, I could see a lot of it coming from editing. Like, I feel like those breadcrumbs are, sure, they happened, but they easily could have put in different breadcrumbs that Mm -hmm. would have been completely nothing and not, you know, we wouldn't read into it the same way people, um, it's like how people thought when Scandival was revealed that they went back and like edited things in to kind of point towards that, even though they didn't, but like they have that ability to kind of shape it as it goes along so Mm -hmm. there's some cohesion but um yeah i'm very interested to see that which i'm assuming happens in the finale that conversation with the whole family there is a i mean it looked like the season the sport the not the spoiler lol the teaser for next week i thought we were getting some of it um but i think it's a post finale when they pick up filming again. So maybe Mm. it'll be positioned as the new finale. Like we'll get a fake finale of like, and this is it. And then the next week is like, and guess what happened a couple months later? And when cameras picked up, I think we're going to get a little bit of that. Um, You know, I feel like Kyle has been such a litmus test for people in how do you view her? How do you view her in relation maybe to her dynamics on the show and just Kyle as a person? What's your feeling of Kyle these days? Um, I'm a Kyle loyalist from the beginning. I've always been like, that's always been my, my girl, like mm-hmm. with, with this show. And, um, so I think a lot of that, it it is tougher to view objectively just because of that. Um, I find this season so interesting, especially with the Morgan stuff, because I feel that she's too smart to be shocked by people's by the jumps that people are making and i got before the show started airing i understood like her frustration Mm -hmm. but then seeing the way that she's brought her on the show and the way that she's talked about her on the show and oh these are morgan's shoes and oh matching set like it almost feels I'm, i'm so curious what her intention was with that because it was a choice. It was a deliberate choice to bring on this new friend um, to the to the show and bring her into the mix. And I'm sure she had some line of thinking about it. So to be, it would be shocking to me if if this never occurred to her that people would make this leap. So, yeah, it's very fascinating. I hope there are some like some really good questions at the reunion about 
Kyle making the decision to bring on this friend onto the show, what she thought public reaction would be, and then what it turned out to be. But I just can't fathom that she would bring Morgan on in the midst of her marital trouble that she knew she was going to kind of expose on the show or or talk about on the show Mm -hmm. at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like, I just don't think it wouldn't have occurred to her at all the leap that people might make. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. It delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Living in New York City is not easy. Just ask Sonia, trying to sell that house. There are so many mornings where I wake up and think, oh my gosh, I'm having the worst cold of my life. And I realize it's actually from allergies. When my nasal allergies flare up, and that happens when the season changes and the temps get a little warmer than they normally are, I use Astapro, and I'm amazed at how fast I'm back in the game. And that game is looking for Dorinda on the Upper East Side. Astapro always has my back and nose. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Paris is always a good idea, and when I schlep on over to Europe to my favorite city in the world, I bring with me a few important phrases that I have learned from housewives. C'est bon, c'est bon. Chic c'est la vie. Je m'appelle the Countess. N'est-ce pas, Luan? <laughs> and while those key phrases are important when speaking to any French bravoholic for other matters of life, That's where Rosetta Stone comes in. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including, of course, French. It features fast language acquisition. It immerses you in so many ways. There's no English translations. So you really learn to speak, to listen, and to think in that language. It's an intuitive process. You pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. J'adore Chris Manzo. Et toi? There's a speech recognition filter which gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's convenient with desktop and app options. And it's an amazing value. Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. A steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. 
That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Today. In the words of Meredith Marks, when it comes to that week, week and a half before my period, I wish I was disengaging. My PMS is off the charts. Truly Uber Eats needs to check in and say, it's about that time, isn't it? I know it is. The cravings are crazy. I want to crawl out of my skin. Now it's easier to manage PMS with Estro Control. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony and Estro Control, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. For AGs who are friends of perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause, Happy Mammoth has Hormone Harmony. It's not just a supplement for women going through those stages. It's also become a phenomenon. Women can't stop talking about it on social media. A bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code ANDESGIRLS at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code ANDESGIRLS for 15% off today. I'm engaging. Conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Row. Row provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Row Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes, so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Row, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to row.co slash andesgirls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash andesgirls. Sign up today. I just came back from the salon, and for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. (laughs) Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time (laughs) with wet wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells unbelievable. 
believable. Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. Yeah, and also there is this like kind of gnawing sense that a lot of these paparazzi shots of her, of her seeming and Morgan seeming annoyed or quiet, they're coming from agencies that are sort of seemingly really well known for being contacted by people and staging Mm. these moments. And so while I am sure she's certainly overwhelmed with the amount of conversation that has existed, I do kind of wonder, because Kyle has been in this game for so long, I just kind of wonder about some of the positioning of the media attention, Mm -hmm. which goes directly against what she's also saying in press interviews of like, I don't understand why there's, you know, so much focus on this. It's, it doesn't make any sense if she's also potentially, who knows, allegedly maybe harnessing some of that attention. Yeah. And even if, cause that is one thing, if it's it that, but just by bringing her onto the show is yeah. again, a deliberate decision on her part. It doesn't, she brings a lot of people onto the show, but it's, fascinating to before the show started to hear her be like leave us alone stop bothering us like stop making these things and then to see the way that she very actively brought her on and then like that music video that they made like Mm -hmm. it's interesting like you said she's been in the game for too long she's too smart to like play shocked so i am i hope we get to kind of delve into that um relationship and her her own relationship to the public's response to it i think would be really interesting um but honestly maybe it worked because we're talking about this in mm-hmm. much more than we're talking about Maurizio. Mm-hmm. so maybe she is a super genius <laughs> and also when it comes to some of what she said in the media um what's your reaction to her defense or her response to criticism of her saying on the show, you you know, like, how dare these women? They're not good friends for talking, bringing up Mauricio, bringing up my marriage, sort of forcing me to respond, you know, when you've seen the history of Kyle's behavior, which has been as a spiritual producer in many ways. She feels like the cast has gone too far in the conversation about her marriage with Mauricio. Do you agree? I could totally see that. I think I definitely understood her perspective. I think it's another case, like we were talking with Erica, where it's like, are we looking at this um, 
in the details of the minutiae of the relationships between person to person or on uh, a producerial level as like a show and a job and stuff like that because I that car ride with Dorit where Dorit was kind of pressing her about it I totally understood Kyle's perspective of being and I think I don't know if it was the after show or an interview after she said she was sort of like caught off guard by Mm -hmm. it and kind of bristled at it and it rubbed her the wrong way and I was like I totally get that because I'm you know yes she's friends with Dorit but with that in the uh landscape of the show that translates as an ally in this kind of battlefield in a way so that kind of being sprung on her on camera I totally get why she was upset about it Mm -hmm. and I think it's you know on a producing level I could totally you know if you look back at maybe Kyle doing the same things she might her case might not be as strong on that front but Yeah. And also, I mean, maybe part of the show and part of the hypocrisy is to be the person who's under the hot who's in the hot seat, who's under the bright lights and to say this isn't fair. I mean, the reality is it might not be fair, but it doesn't stop you from doing your job when it's centered around somebody else. Like to say that Kyle is hypocritical in that moment, I don't disagree. But I also think that's probably what most people would say. Mm -hmm. Like she's not going to be like, you know, and then when I did all this other stuff, because she's also probably from a, a motivational point or maybe behavioral, she's probably not seeing what we are seeing in watching the edited episodes around somebody else's relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, the pressure that Denise was under in a number of ways. Like, it's, she's just not going to, she did not have the same experience as a cast member and as in and of herself, Kyle, that we did the audience. Maybe that's, Um, it's not excusing it or denying the existence of a hypocrisy. It's just saying like, this is maybe one of the reasons why. Mm -hmm. And I think we like to, especially because I think the Bravo fandom are such historians of like looking back. We like to make it, we like to equate things and make one, one for ones of like, she's currently doing this. Well, two seasons ago, she did this to her and blah, blah, blah. But I do think, I'm sure in the moment it's less, um, factual and it's less black and white Mm -hmm. and it's so gray and emotion driven and no two things probably ever feel alike in any way and things move so quickly too it's so fluid and things are happening that we don't see versus what we do see so i'm sure it's tough to be living it with one set of rules and then when it airs or when it's compiled into a 10 season long um television show there's a totally different rubric for which their actions are kind of judged versus the way that actions are normally judged in real life yeah and i think a lot of it around the dinner stuff around garcelle and sutton asking about you know the ring and uh, did mauricio buy it for you and why would a husband you know like if so what does that mean it's like we're focusing on the granular here because the granular is obviously key and it's in an important uh, distinction she wants to make in her life of like, no, this had nothing to do with Mauricio. This is a ring I buy myself versus the big picture of like, why aren't you wearing your other rings? And also we're getting a sense here that you yourself have said that something is 
off with your relationship. Let's talk about it. So maybe it's related to the purchase of a ring. Maybe not. Mm -hmm. Maybe the ring didn't mean a thing. But (laughs) regardless, something is going on here. And I think it's that kind of, again, defensiveness that is understandable, but still needs to be just, I don't think that to me, Sutton and Garcelle did not cross any lines. They did their job. Mm -hmm. So to categorize them as overstepping, but not do the same about Rena or Erica or Teddy Joe or LVP at points until you, you know, started to speak differently about the ways that she was handling her job responsibilities. (laughs) It is it is hypocritical to me, but I still love Kyle. Same. And I think Kyle is almost famous for judging people by totally different rules, depending on who they are. I think just the way that she kind of continuously gave Rena a pass for the Kim stuff was the perfect example of her kind of insane ability to just be like, well, I forgive you versus, you know, and other mm-hmm. people, it's, it might be totally um, a totally different situation. But she's definitely that's something that fascinates me about Kyle is and I think she mentioned it this episode. I forgot about what, but her ability to forgive and forget when she wants to, I mm-hmm. think. And I'm also I uh, kind of circling back to the marital stuff. I give her a ton of credit for bringing it up in the first episode. She did not need to do that. Like we, there was nothing that we were going to see apart from she was probably laying the groundwork for the fact that she knew that they were actually going to get separated. But she also could have just kept a lot of housewives just don't, they hide it. And then they do it once the season wraps. And to hide it from the cameras and to hide it from us. So I give her a lot of credit for bringing up her marital issues in the first episode, but then it's tough to act surprised when that then becomes a recurring point of interest throughout the season because we weren't going to, it wasn't going to be like, oh yeah, we're on the rocks and this is the last we're going to talk about it <laughs> until the reunion. Like, of course not. Of course people right. are then going to, their radar is going to be up and they're going to be looking for things. So I think, this season, that's sort of a recurring theme is Kyle being surprised that people are interested about things that, of course, they're interested in. Yeah. And there is also like something that's like slightly not disappointing, but just like a little it makes me a little sad to see these moments of like Kyle and Sutton connecting mm. and they're talking about you know, like, I don't like to be in a fight with you and X, Y, Z. And I'm just thinking in real time, like this is going to turn on its head. And it's and and it, in many ways, it's. It's a deserved point of contention that I think Sutton has every right to focus on at the reunion of like, you know what? I didn't know what you were saying and doing in real time. And here I am, um, you know, wondering how I can be a better friend to you. And I just wonder why you cared so little about doing the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. I think that that'll be a really I'm so I really do. I, I, I love Sutton and everything she brings to the show. And I love her relationship with Kyle because I feel like those two personalities, it is such like an enriched dynamic that I love to see. So in whatever direction that takes us, I I like watching it. (laughs) So this episode, there was a little bit of a turn. I don't even know if that's what I would call it, but something, something happened. Crystal Mm -hmm. had a health emergency. Anna Marie you know, joined with the rest of the cast oh. in <laughs> supporting her. Um, although she did need to do the whole medical combo of 
hopefully it's not X, Y, Z, because then you stroke out, which I thought to myself, did we need to say this out loud? We No, she just wanted to prove that she knew something about right. medicine. Yeah, I don't know that I would need to lean in to that person, a person's like <laughs> worst fear. But also, I didn't understand why after seeing that her blood pressure was like scarily high, why we had this like series of moments of members of the cast individually going up to her and being like, Crystal, I hope everything goes well. I'm thinking <laughs> yeah. of you, sightseeing, you know, X, Y, Z, you know, you know you're going to make it through. And then the next person, Crystal, I know you're in the ambulance. I know that your blood <laughs> pressure is like through the roof and that this is a very real and significant concern. But I just want to tell you that I also support you. I'm like, can this woman go to the hospital? She's, at, she's on like a fucking cliff right now. Yeah. Could we not text her that? for her to read later on i like there's a medical emergency what have you ever seen a medical emergency where someone goes is anybody here an anesthesiologist (laughs) (laughs) like this is who's gonna save crystal of course i mean honestly any medical professional i i can't really make this i would trust sutton more than i would (laughs) i would trust i would trust uh, well i don't know the ins and outs of anna marie's day-to-day job i would certainly trust that she has a specific high level skill set i don't know that she would be a comforting force for me but i trust that like she you know like in a medical emergency you're looking for a medical professional which anna marie most certainly is Mm -hmm. i don't know that her um specialty and she is not a doctor and we love nurses Mm -hmm. and i know that the argument that she continues to make of like crystal is devaluating because Crystal's arguing that you yourself were doing that by saying you were a doctor when you weren't. The way that's twisted around is fascinating. That is actually skillful Mm -hmm. when it comes to housewifery, the way that's now Crystal's fault. But I totally trust Anna Marie's skill set. I just don't know in a medical emergency outside of that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I always err on the side of like, if you are, you know, if you know CPR and somebody's choking, Mm -hmm. I don't really care. If you're a psychiatrist or a physical medicine doctor, I just care that you, you know, are someone who knows how to get the fucking piece of bread lodged in someone's gullet upstream, you know, like, so I I don't want to take away from her schooling and education, which is the thing I think everybody has to say. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, anyone else's opinions and words are going to be used against them. I don't mm-hmm. I don't want to fall into this whole thing of like, if you criticize Anna Marie or criticizing nurses, like, yeah. I know that that is the narrative that she continues to push at every versus like holding Anna Marie for her own behavior. Mm-hmm. And what she has done, like with her skill set with Sutton, like, she's obviously Anne Marie has done well for herself, skilled, educated, all that. But like, look how she used it when it came to being fed information by Kyle and then multiple, multiple, multiple times using it against Sutton while making fun of her while commanding that she has an eating disorder. Like she's skilled in some ways. She also doesn't seem to be applying that in others. So you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't yeah. know. It, it's, she's not making a great case for herself. She's not. in In these discussions. And that was... I mean, I think everyone is essentially united in their um, dislike for Anna Marie. Yeah. And I think that that esophagus thing is one of the worst introductions for that a housewife, that a new housewife has ever had as like, hey, this is my entry ramp onto into housewifery. It's like, wow, never has a, someone fumbled so hard, so hard, so fast. And 
it's just lost her any um uh points yeah or just no one's gonna give her the benefit of the doubt like throughout the season with not not medically but like with conflicts with intentions um going forward and by no one i I mean me (laughs) well and speaking of and by no one i also mean me i did see clips of her and watch what happens where she's at one point and andy's like agreeing with her i'm like andrew sir what are you even doing when she's saying that like essentially we got it wrong about the 8.5 and that her husband like definitely said that she's a 10 in some areas and it just evens out to an eight and a half but he definitely said she's like a 10 in looks and a 10 in body Mm -hmm. and the fact that we even have this conversation about whether or not she was graded on a curve is like so dispiriting and sort of gross to me that like there does appear to be a literal conversation around her romantic partner grading her body like yeah you don't understand how fucking nuts that is to hear out loud and now she's spinning it as no no he definitely gave me a 10 in like body and beauty but he just gave me an eight and other stuff but i guess you would argue it'd have to be a six right i mean welcome to to math to get to an eight and a half it's like the low rating wasn't the problem Anna Marie (laughs) the rating was the issue but also the low rating was also a problem Anna Marie because she also said on the after show he quite explicitly told her she wasn't a 10 in beauty she wasn't a 10 in looks and that like how incredible is it that he's honest (laughs) so (laughs) which honesty (laughs) is it and also like if she wants to fuck a man who's telling her to her face because he's honest, I want to be lied to. You tell me yeah. I'm a 15. I don't care if I'm a two. Like I, I you, yeah. and I know I'm a 15. So I, like, I know he is accurate, but like, it just, why are we, what's it's, happening here? Yeah. It's why to watch it. It's like, have we all gone mad? Like, what is this conversation? And another on that Watch What Happens Live where Andy was sort of nodding along and I was like, was, um, I hope he wasn't listening. I hope he's like how we all would be if we were talking. Oh, oh yeah. He's reading his cards. He's seeing yeah. what game he has yeah, to yeah. queue up. Um, she was talking about the thing with the, um, like anesthesiologist society coming out yes. against her, which was insane. And she kind of just like went after them and was like, there's, po- it's political. It's they all of nurses. this. And it, it was very, Odd, and I was just like, "Why are we? We've strayed so far from God's light." If we're talking about like anesthesiologists, like they're the jets and the sharks, like what are we doing? This is the wrong network. <laughs> Wait, that's so funny, and it's so true. And I did repost. Tiffany Moon posted. She oh, posted yeah. a response. Of- she was like, "They're not mad at you because you're a fucking nurse. We love nurses. Yeah. They're mad at you because you're stating the wrong medical information. You're like saying all this shit about Sutton, and you're also potentially allegedly telling people that you're a doctor if you're not. That that's gonna upset doctors. It's gonna upset people in your specialty who feel like maybe don't tell someone mm-hmm. that they're doing a bad." Bad job of having an eating disorder and nicole came out against her too oh. all of the, the bravo anesthesiologists are gonna <laughs> banded together yeah. but it is and it's like so funny like first of all nurses are the most beloved profession in the world Literally. like universally you get me a nurse and anna marie's gonna be like have a good life like you cannot hide behind like they're out to get all of us nurses <laughs> like that's why people don't like me it's because i'm a nurse like no of course not that's the one redeeming quality that you have 
It is wild, though, that, mm-hmm. like, the American Association of Anesthesia, whatever the fuck it is, ASA or whatever, yes. it is, like, a little wild that they did post about the Real Housewives yes, of Beverly Hills. their gay social media manager did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is a little... We do have to acknowledge... Like, if... I don't... I can't even... I can't think of any other anything, although I... I unfortunately, I hoped that the... California bar would have said some shit about um, Tom Girardi, but they were in his pocket. So Mm. that wasn't going to happen anytime soon. But, you know, I mean, maybe the Builders Association against what Joe Gorga initially called windows before his (laughs) new home was redone. Like, that's a possibility. I just... Uh, it, it is like it is a little it's a it's funny yeah it's definitely funny i could not believe that it was real so like <laughs> that's an argument to make of like why are they watching beverly hills but mm-hmm. also we welcome all doctors oh, yes. of all specialties to join us in this merry merry community mm-hmm. of bravoholics so kudos to all of you for watching you are on the right and <laughs> um you are on the right and righteous path but i mean i don't know for a doctor's association, it's just, I think, I do think Anna Marie done fucked up. Oh, yeah. Another thing about Anna Marie, completely unrelated, but I find it interesting that she always talks like she's chewing 15 pieces of gum. Does she? Her, it's just always, it's, it always just sounds like she's chewing something. Like, there's a little extra voice box or something. I don't know. It's very distinct. Well, maybe it's she does as a as someone who does project, she mm-hmm. does also project, but it feels like and she would know more about this than I would, that it's like, you know how we project from our diaphragm, mm-hmm. you know, that's I, the ideal. Maybe it's coming a, on a little too hard at like the end or Yeah, maybe there's something maybe honestly look inward at your own esophagus Anna Marie because really? have we gotten a little bit of a tutorial on that have we examined exactly. that yeah. within our spirit and our <laughs> tummy or wherever the fuck it is like yeah that's not it's not it's not ideal I also find myself I just every day I just think about what Andy has said in interviews of like just you wait like don't don't get too upset about her now because she's really gonna she's gonna <laughs> step up to the bat and I just wonder like Andrew, what does that mean for us? Like when you tell us more to come with Anna Marie, how do we not digest that digest that as anything but a threat? A hundred percent. It's I mean, at this point, I feel like Andy Cohen being like, it's a great season. It's this, it's that. This newbie is <laughs> gonna be great. It's like okay, you're selling us the product. Yeah. And we're buying. Yeah. We're buying anyway, Andy. We're 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 in regardless of how good or bad it is, because we are ill. I like how people try to de- decipher those like statements. Yeah. Like to me, see like when me he's just being now. for real. Yeah. Like, see, like, is there an extra adjective? Is he like actually <laughs> for real? What did he say about last season of Salt Lake versus what's he saying? What did he say about a dead season? Compare them and see like what secret code he uses so that he's always saying something positive but what is the truth yeah and and i wonder how he i feel like he's gonna give her the benefit of the doubt at the reunion which was already filmed i feel like he yeah. i feel like he gave her the benefit of the doubt i also feel like coming in her edit they're not it's she's like getting a friend out of that like she's not in the episodes like at all well, she said that the reason that that is the case is because she already had a planned vacation when she was cast. Like, apparently they gave her, they like cast her, gave her the call of like, you're on the show well into filming. Like filming had already been going on for yeah. a month, month and a half. Catherine Edwards method. <laughs> Amen. So <laughs> speaking of OJ, by the way, yeah. so they, 
Um, so they onboarded her. She had like a, you know, shining beginning. Then she went to Hawaii, I think, for like spring break with the kids with the hubs. Taking had a hammer. Taking hammer. I think they, you know, maybe their vacation was nine, nine point three. I mean, I'm sure we'll find yes, out more yeah. on the grading curve, yeah. what hubs feels, uh, <laughs> thinks and feels about like the beachside location. But um then she gets back, then she stays with the show till the end of the show. So maybe, mm. you know, Andy's threat that we'll see more of her is yeah. in fact a reality based on scheduling, if nothing else. Because we've gotten so few home scenes we've got which i don't mind i prefer it that way because a i don't want to see her and b i really don't want to see her um husband husband who there were transphobic issues um on that front before when her casting was announced people dug up so i thought that might have been some of why they were like let's pair back on hubs her yeah and so allegations of potential alleged sexual assault Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's so, like his rating system has, I think, gone down yes, a little bit. Since yeah. We've gotten to know <laughs> aspects of the news coverage of him a little bit better. Yeah. It's sort of a thing where I was like, I don't know. It's just I it's like an automatic one and done, like right from the get go. Or it's like so it almost feels like if Bravo sees that right away, what they're not going to invest by showing us and like getting us invested in this person. Do you think that they might, for lack of a better term, try to just kind of like stuff her down our throats a little bit though? Like apologies to (laughs) all the throats everywhere. But like, Mm -hmm. is there a possibility that because she has garnered such a strong response that there is value in that? I don't know. I think I'm trying to think of, I feel like there was recently someone else that just got a universal nope. Like, Diana. Diana was one. And I'm trying to, I feel like another city more recently. But Angie I'm going to. Angie H, but she wasn't real. Oh, you know who I am thinking? I think I am thinking of Angie K, but she made such a turnaround. So oh, that's, we love her. Yeah, our exactly. Queen, our angel. But our those, angel yes, on earth. Those early days of Angie K, it was like. Yeah. United front. Like, but that actually made a Joke's crazy turnaround. Jokes on us, turnaround. by the way. Yes, Joke's yeah, on yeah. us. Um, but uh, yeah, so I don't know, because it does seem, I honestly, I think the only thing she has in her favor is the anesthesiologist's Instagram post. This is the only interesting thing that's really come from her. I think any actual feud she's had feels so fabricated, feels so like, this is what being a housewife is. Like, let me fight with Crystal. Let me fight with Sutton about like made up things. There's, It's not rooted in any authenticity that would lend itself to her coming back. Also, um the asa or aas or saa Mm -hmm. apologies to the letters and consonants (laughs) and the vowels but that it's not that that happened to her on camera involving a cast member that's a social media profile for an association of doctors like of a doctor's specialty that's not like she's really got that as her storyline that's just people who may or may not have watched the show Mm -hmm. and heard someone say anesthesia or whatever you know like that's not really you can't really run with that longer than a certain amount of distance yeah it doesn't make for good tv at all it just ups her profile a little bit more in a gross in a weird almost a tragic way of like this is what you've got is Mm -hmm. that anesthesiologists or their social media manager (laughs) are like mad at you 
because of maybe you or not you saying maybe in an introduction to someone that you were a doctor like or just using the word anesthesiology in a way that they did not appreciate like mm-hmm. that's not really god god help her if that's a conversation that she's having with anybody but i don't know a seven or something at a cocktail party like when is that even going to come up except people asking her in in press interviews sure that's going to continue for a minute but fuck man that's we're not we're not playing with a full deck here i do not want medical professionals on beverly hills unless they're a plastic surgeon i want Ca- oh, I would love a psychiatrist. Are you kidding? Oh, me? that would be, but that's uh, like unfair advantage. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want all. I'm, I'm, I want medical. Prof- I want medical professionals. I want legal professionals. I want teachers. Like, I want people who. I want um, them on the right franchises. All of them. You don't. I want a. I want a doctor and a lawyer and a teacher on every single franchise. I would. Be- I want a professor. I feel like the thing with the different franchises is they have such distinct themes that they're their own landscapes entirely. Yeah. And like certain things work at certain places. And for Beverly Hills, what I love is the adjacentness to the entertainment industry. And I feel like that's what it was built on with Camille Grammer, with Kyle and Kim being child stars, with Lisa and Eileen being soap stars with like um crystal and rob like i want something with boy george and pk like i like that kind of yeah i hear connection there Mm -hmm. the same way that like jersey i need some like familial like something related to family going on ideally they're all related um but if not like their own family drama is like some element like i feel like there are these recurring Mm -hmm. things and with beverly hills i do prefer that like especially because sometimes as these shows go on the women have less and less in common and they're just like a random group of Mm -hmm. people thrown together so i do like when there is that connection um that is like built in 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 some way because i just feel like with Anna marie it's so and i mean i guess technically we aren't seeing her husband at all but he the closest like entertainment connection there would be that he was like an nfl person and i think he's an analyst now right probably yeah yeah so but we're of course not seeing that, which is fine. But um yeah, I don't know, it's interesting. But generally speaking, like Phaedra being a lawyer, who could right. ask for more? A yeah. funeral director, who could ask for more? Um, all of the other jobs <laughs> she's had. Right. Um, Meredith Marks, MBA, I think, yes. right? And yeah, lawyer. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like all of that is um amazing. But yeah, sometimes there are certain things where I'm like, I need your hand to be in X, Y, and Z, whatever that yeah. franchise's thing uh, is. I get that. I also do think, though, that at like the height of us finding out about the Tom Girardi stuff, having a lawyer in the cast would have been really helpful, especially in mm. understanding the ways that some of the narrative is being used ineffectively. Like if there was someone who was in the mix who's like, I'm a lawyer, so if we want to make a big fucking deal about I don't know, co-workers reading about each other in the LA Times and how that's the worst thing that you can do in the world. Why don't we talk about the legalities behind it so we yeah. can close that conversation up? Because I don't think that Sutton's really in should be in the hot seat in this way, or maybe not just Sutton, but like also the law, you know, yeah. like it's I think that that would have helped. Oh, for in sure. Ways. And like an entertainment lawyer, someone like specialty yeah. wise. Judge Judy. She's got she's got entertainment value behind her. Yeah. Like even with those differing 
professions, I think there's always a way for it to be connected to the fr- the city's theme. Yeah, no, that's true. And I, you know, I don't know what the future will hold for Anna Marie. I think that she has been... I like get why they cast her because she is she has a spark like she does. She's really commanding Mm -hmm. to me that airs on the side of annoying. But many housewives I find annoying. So Mm. it just I think it also, though, does matter that she does not seem to have made any true connections of any kind with anyone in the cast. Yeah, it's tough to come back from that. I think I don't think anyone cares for her. Yeah. And I guess. You could be on an island of one if, like, maybe a segment of the audience cared. But, like, sweetie, I mean, we got it. We had to have something to talk about. Mm-hmm. And right now, we have your husband grades you, or has, and you're into it until you say that that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And also, you said an awful lot about someone's serious legitimate health issue including saying that it doesn't exist because kyle came over to have a talk yeah like that's not smart that's not smart strategy Mm -hmm. at least in being a housewife or maybe you thought it was maybe you're doing the job that you saw on tv of like focusing on something and that's all that you had to focus on maybe you were given bad advice yeah it's tough. I do have to um, shift gears a little bit. Also, shout out to the, um, what's his name? Smoke's dad or whatever. What was the smoke show? The like cute chef, his dad who made the paella. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. That was I don't delightful. remember, but yeah. Um, he was wonderful. Also, I literally, and as a Jewish person, I was like, oh my God, I want to talk about this on Andy's Girls and then completely forgot because <laughs> Anna Marie really does uh, inspire so much conversation. But the conversation between Dorit and Garcelle, I thought, was incredibly interesting. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I can't imagine what Dorit is experiencing on uh, social media right now. Some of that self-inflicted because of the caption making fun of the idea of Dorit being in a bubble. I do have mm-hmm. a little bit more, not that I agree with that, but more of an understanding of why she was rejecting the bubble term, because as she stated during what I thought was like a a meaningful, positive conversation with the group. She talked about her experiences as a Jewish person and her dad Mm -hmm. being Israeli and people saying anti-Semitic comments to her. And I think that's important for people to hear and experience um, whether or not it's uh, valued in any way. There's been a a huge movement toward um, discouraging Jews from talking about anti-Semitism or invalidating their experiences. Uh, which has been a fascinating thing as a Jewish person to receive of people just saying, you don't have the right to be upset about anti-Semitism because either it doesn't exist or you're just, you know, a a white blonde, usually I have highlights next week, but a white (laughs) blonde lady crying, which is such a deeply manipulative thing to say to a member of a marginalized community. I think it's um, incredibly manipulative and cruel and would ask people why you can't hold space for, for Jews to experience and claim uh, their um, membership, frankly, in a marginalized community by the for the very sake of being Jewish. Um, it's like disturbing uh, and unfortunate and upsetting, but also like gallows humor, almost laughable for someone to send that and consider themselves any kind of ally when you also believe that Jews don't count. That being said, so I fully appreciate what Dorit was saying. 
Mm -hmm. two parts of it made me feel a little (laughs) one of them being saying to Garcelle, which I thought was the right thing to say in the moment, and hopefully also believe if I do anything that upsets you, please tell me because I wouldn't want to do it again. And then to see her do it repeatedly on social media (laughs) months after filming that scene is tough Mm -hmm. at best. And also to maybe believe that without invalidating Dorit's experiences as a Jewish person uh, and her family's experiences, not invalidating that at all, but to suggest that you can't exhibit Karen behavior because the bubble to someone else who doesn't know your experiences might look differently doesn't mean that you don't still live in a bubble. Mm-hmm. It's not, I'm not taking aw- anything away as a Jewish person, as a Jewish content creator. I'm acknowledging what you have experienced as a Jewish person. I'm also saying that does not protect you from instances of behavior that is, um, you know, at best complicated, you mm-hmm. know, stuff that you need to be held accountable for. Your bubble sure might be, might look differently, but I don't think it's completely out of line for someone to say to Dorit that she lives in a bubble. Like, and to say, to yeah. pretend that Karen is some sort of slur is ludicrous to me Mm -hmm. that that means to like dorit maybe should be more online like yeah (laughs) i i don't i don't know it's someone's calling you a karen we're pretending that this is like this huge it's derogatory sure but like yeah it's also i think honest Mm -hmm. i I don't think this is at the level of what she's saying it is yeah watching dorit have to navigate these conversations is Anxiety inducing. <laughs> it is because I also don't know. Like, is she gonna? Is she? Is she gonna stick the landing? Is she gonna stick the landing? Because she has it so many times before. Yeah. And these confessionals lately, ma'am, like child bride, everything else, Horrible. like, yeah. you're just it's landmines wherever mm. you go. Which is why this week with some of these confessionals, I was like, oh my god, she did okay. <laughs> she's, like, <laughs> yeah. she's talking about things. I'm like, oh, she survived it. We yeah. survived it. Yeah. We survived a Dorit confessional. Like, please, please go back to talking <laughs> about PK. Complain about him. Complain about him. Please. <laughs> no, please. Talk about literally talk about Erica complimenting Sutton. Just only yeah. do that from now on, please, because I don't know that you can be responsible with everything yeah. else. Checker and Phoenix, unplug the mic. Unplug the mic. <laughs> <laughs> and so there, there is that. I thought that was an incredibly important point, and one that you know, because there are so few Jews um, in the world, but also on Housewives, uh, that it's any time, hopefully most times that um, Jews are talking about anti-Semitism on Housewives. I hope it, it's um, I hope it's something that people can listen to and not scoff at because mm-hmm. I think that it is important and it doesn't also mean, as I just did as a Jewish person, doesn't also mean you can't have um, a connected potentially conversation about uh, the different ways that marginalized communities connect and disconnect with each other, you know, mm-hmm. and people can be members of both. Um, So, and Jews are not a monolith. So someone can be listening to this episode or watching the episode who is Jewish and feeling a different way than I do. You have every right to. Doesn't mean that my opinion doesn't (laughs) exist, but it does mean that we will all have different experiences in examining all of this, which I think is important. I think it's important to have like diversity shown in opinions of different Jewish housewives. You Mm -hmm. know, that would be, that would be ideal. That would be great to see. And I'm sure Andy will have thoughts, uh, he himself being Jewish if this comes up at the reunion, which I assume it will. I think any um, diversity on these shows, what's always great and positive is when 
everything isn't put on one woman's shoulders, which yeah. I think when we first started to finally integrate these shows mm-hmm. was an issue because yeah. someone still would come is. on a hundred percent. And um, it was just the weight of so much of like really playing catch up for sometimes 10 seasons of this show is all put on them and there's this responsibility and then it just is it sets them up for failure in a way so yeah that i mean i think um just immediately of ebony on new york Mm -hmm. that was just a complete shit show from beginning to end which is incredibly unfortunate um and i also just think in the ways that so much pressure is put on housewives who are members of a marginalized community to represent the entirety of the community. That's often how, if you want to manipulate that enough, that's often how viewers take in and respond to that person of, oh, okay, if this person who's a member of a marginalized community says something that I don't believe with that maybe fits my stereotype of the marginalized community, then I guess I'm right. Check mark on that mm-hmm. because they're proving me right. It's like the the inability for us to see Um, This is the issue with not having enough representation is that the little amount that we might have truly matters and brings with it a lot of extra baggage, not just in instances of individual poor behavior, but in the ways that someone might use that and manipulate it to represent the rest of the group. Mm -hmm. And the other side of things, too, is for the people being represented, I think if there's one example, there's so much put on them to and if they aren't representing them specifically i think this is a conversation that comes up a ton with um queer representation in media and queer movies like fire island and bros and like all of those conversations about if there's only one thing that's supposed to be doing all the representation even people within that community will can easily have an issue with it because it's not doing it the right way it's not representing me it's representing this side of things it's representing that so so much of that issue just comes from there not being enough. There should be enough representation that you don't need to put everything on one thing's shoulders. Yeah. And Hollywood, speaking of Hollywood, often does that of like, okay, well, if this show didn't succeed or this movie didn't succeed, then I guess we don't need to give any more opportunities to examine storylines that might um, affect and include members of a certain group. Like that's incredibly unfortunate and and is also incredibly manipulative. Mm Mm-hmm. We're just staring at each other. Now. <laughs> what did you think of um, uh, Fire Island? Um, oh, I loved it. I loved it. I cried. Yeah, it was. I thought it was amazing. I still, um, Muna's um, cover oh, yeah. of Sometimes I, is still on rotation. If you haven't watched Fire Island, it's on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Um, Joel Kim Booster, the genius behind it. It's incredible. I highly, highly recommend. Uh, it's a great, just like nighttime movie journey and shout out matt rogers yeah. who's phenomenal in it mm-hmm. um breakout star so um uh, that's a definite much to go from anti-Semitism <laughs> to fire island there's something very connective about that that i just really <laughs> appreciate uh, the journey of andy's girls um listen before we wrap and shift over to some other stuff um quick question for you thoughts and feels all things miami hasn't come up on ag of late mm-hmm. not my fault even as like the host and whatever truly totally my fault i mean (laughs) there's been so much happening with salt lake with beverly hills it's been a packed time it has been a packed time but honestly it feels so fitting to chat about it as like dessert yes because that's how i watch it where i'm like it's a meringue yes yeah i'm like time to the theme song alone like it's just Mm. a party all the way through Mm -hmm. and it's such a delight to watch i think it's one of the best that we have currently um and 
it's just all of these the stories are so just rich Mm -hmm. this the cast is so stacked that on this vacation that they're currently on um nicole is late for she's coming in later yes and i was going through so much of it and was forgetting that she was not there yet i was like wow there's so many people and i was like we don't even have the full cast yet. Like, this is incredible. Like, it's just such a stacked group of women. Also, didn't she say she went from doing a literal 24-hour shift to filming? Oh, my God. Yeah, I think so. Didn't she, she say that's that? wild. Yeah. Some crazy fucking long shift. And to yeah. go from that straight into taking a red eye to go to on this trip and then hopefully sleep for some amount of time that is restful and then to dive into this shit show. Yeah. I mean, my talk about a schedule. That's nuts. But I will say if I were to work 24 hours straight, the first faces that I would want to see after yeah. are Alexia and mm-hmm. Adriana and Marisol and Larsa, all of them, just the girls. That's what I would want in my darkest hour. There were so many points of um, just magic on this episode, mm. noting that the end of it was bleak. Like in, the Julia yeah. of it all with the babies. I was like, oh my, yeah, yeah. are we ending on? It was just, it was honestly so dark. That was wild. So that was like. That, that felt like a, a nightmare situation yeah. to end the show. And that way I'm like, how are we supposed to be feeling about this? Because I'm upset for Julia. Yeah. And it was so fast moving to those those mm-hmm. last minutes that it's almost like, wait, what's going on? What's happening? Like now we're talking about that. Yeah. No, that was weird. It was weird. Um, But prior to that, mm-hmm. one of my favorite moments to have happened recently happened on that goddamn boat when Larsa just Larsa sometimes says things where I'm like, God damn, like you're totally wrong for doing this. But when it comes to like all things Lisa and divorce, mm-hmm. I, I maybe Larsa's not like the most sensitive, but often she is mm-hmm. when it comes to that goddamn divorce and trying to help Lisa. And I think she's right more often than she's wrong with all of that. Yeah. And the way she just sort of casually turned to Lisa and said, by the way, if you lost Jody, you would regret it because no one <laughs> is going to take your shit. But I love you. Are you, I mean, yeah. I I watched it back at least five times because I couldn't believe it happened, and it was. I I I don't want to say it was unbelievable. To it was like mm-hmm. I was intoxicated by it. Yeah, it was just everything that she just like came a lot. Like someone like yes. injected her with a steroid in a way, and she yes. just like like emerged and just had some things to say. And one of my favorite things that she did was Lisa was so like just thrown taken off guard like wh- like well she mm-hmm. wasn't expecting it to get it from Larsa and yeah. Larsa just had some grievances to air mm-hmm. and she said um you're kind of being a like you're being a bully right now and Lisa and Larsa just was like yeah like fully ju- and I for years I have been campaigning I've been dying Every time these bully accusations get thrown around on these shows where they're like, this is bullying, this is bullying. And then we get into the semantics of what bullying is. I just want one of them to say, I am. Because <laughs> where do you go for it? just shuts it down. Right. It's you, They can't do anything and just say, I am bullying you. What are you going to do? And Larsa finally did it. And it went exactly how I imagined. I've dreamt of this day. She just, there's nothing you can say to it. If Lars is just like, yeah, I'm bullying you. And, and then you're Lisa's, a baby. Yeah. And then Lisa, oh, uh, oh, okay. Like, that's that. <laughs> it was genius. It was a stroke of genius from Larsa Pippen. 
I would love to see this relationship play out between the two of them because Mm -hmm. Larsa's been giving her some feedback on like watch your lifestyle watch how much you're depending on Jody and all this Lisa obviously doesn't agree with it or isn't listening to it Mm -hmm. I wonder what this will look like six months from now you know yeah I hope that Lisa in the in like the cold light of day realizes the good intention and the good advice within it and it gets there's a positive outcome. That's my hope. Yeah, but I also think Lisa is one of those personality types where she would rather be wrong and continue to exhibit poor behavior than mm-hmm. have to be like, oh, no, wait, I think you're right about that. I am going to change. Yeah, I could see that, too. I think that her um, pulling up in the Honda displayed some like sense of humor and lightness about mm-hmm. it where she maybe won't take it quite as seriously. But generally speaking, I I can definitely see that being the case where... It's unclear, but I I think it's very difficult for her to have any reasonable response in the midst of the Lenny stuff. I think she needs a little bit more distance or just a little bit of that dust to settle before we can kind of see things clearly. Before, and by we, I mean she. Yeah, but also like some of her behavior, I'm sure it's influenced by the Lenny stuff. Something else that Larsa said as well that I thought was accurate. But also like if you're going to be a dick, people are going to be upset at you for that. Yeah. Like we don't people we the audience her cast doesn't always need to give her a break because she's going through something because as kiki said she is also going people are experiencing you know trials and tribulations in their life some of whom aren't given the privilege of having 44 minutes to share or being a full-time cast member but just because lisa is going through this terrible moment in her life doesn't mean she can't act like a dick and the way that she escalated the throwing I thought it was bread, but throwing chicken at the dogs. Yeah. And then saying that Kiki, who like just kind of like lightly tossed a juice box. And again, where did the juice box come (laughs) from? But like lightly tossed a juice box at her. The way that Lisa immediately was like, it's assault, it's assault, and wouldn't listen to everybody else was ridiculous and annoying. And I Mm -hmm. think she, Lisa, I get what you're going through, the Lenny stuff. Also, Lenny being like, you can't love anyone until the kids are at least 18 (laughs) is tough but she was being incredibly i thought gross in her communication with kiki i i totally understood kiki's upset at that point i absolutely empathize with it oh 100 it was totally i mean it was just out of this world and it just I mean, luckily we had the context of the Lenny stuff because I'm sure that played, you know. Oh, yeah, if we didn't, Lisa would have been. It would have looked insane. But everything was just so heightened because of that. So I think her emotions were heightened. And I think the real, like, um, powder keg for her in that was with the chicken was her searching for a moment of lightness in the Lenny darkness and being like, this is, I'm being silly, I'm being funny. And then Lisa, or and then Kiki shutting that down in a way that, embarrassed her yeah and i think that that humility that kind of just embarrassment that mm-hmm. she was sort of then kind of put in the corner, yeah it just kind of made it heightened those emotions and those negative feelings towards kiki because she was like i'm i'm trying to be silly and funny and then mm-hmm. gets shut down and then embarrassed and then everything just exploded from there yeah and also like lisa's a brat Oh, 100%. So she's brats are going to brat. She brought yeah. it out. She fully, she was a brat doll. She was Bratty McBratterson. And it happened. She was a brat. She acted like a brat in that moment. And the way she kept yelling assault, I was like, <laughs> genuinely shut up. 
Like yeah. you need to take a note and like look around and nobody is agreeing with you. People are just trying to de-escalate. And I just feel like maybe Lisa's that maybe LOL is that personality type that watches that back and is like, I had every right to say what I did. Cause she <laughs> I, I mean I took a screenshot yeah. of the text message that she was sending to Joey. Oh yeah, that was amazing. Cause I just like just to read through it what I could see. I'm like, okay, yeah. Did she toss a juice box your way? Sure. But mm-hmm. Are we really, we're using the word assault for this? Can you like, please shut the fuck up for three seconds? Like, Mm -hmm. and I think she recognized that she did fuck up with throwing the chicken to the dogs and was just trying to pin that and turn that energy against somebody else, which I thought was manipulative. But, you know, Mm -hmm. it is what it is. Yeah. Breath be broughten. She was (laughs) broughten out. She was. She was broughten out. Yeah. It was classic. It was like quintessential Lisa, but also it was on a boat. (laughs) Oh my God. So it was like it was stuck there and we just had to like sit in it really like i wonder if it were anywhere else i'm sure there would have been a storm out i'm sure it would have like no spread out a little bit but Mm -hmm. because it was like concentrated so tightly it just amplified everything and the gentleman who was stewarding them i did appreciate that lisa was like your face looks a little red i think you're dehydrated and she she gave him water i did she was like giving him the bottle and i just i did like that moment Mm -hmm. but she i mean when she stood up she did the little like mm, like coquettish like cutesy of like Kiki said don't stand up and she was like mm, I'm standing up what are you gonna do now yeah. well she did something uh-huh. she did something bitch you asked for an answer you got a response that was frankly on the more generous side of what could have happened yeah if you are trying to taunt someone into you know expressing themselves you're going to get an expression as a result someone tossing a juice box your way I mean. You're acting like a child with a room of grownups. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not going to go. Well, <laughs> but I mean, that's generous. That's generous for yeah, some yeah. of them. Also, poor Gertie in the trailer for next week. Yeah. And in an ambulance or something. And Ugh. she kept saying she wasn't feeling well during oh, the boat I remember trip hearing and the about stress. That when yeah. It's so... You remember hearing about what? The, the ambulance? Yeah. When I remember during filming, mm-hmm. whether it was like a page six or something, or just like rumors from filming that there was a medical thing i remember zero details though so i will be kind of viewing it blind anyway but yeah that's tough i hope that whatever she experiences they're able to handle quickly and also gertie doesn't get anywhere near enough enough credit from the members of the cast for like simply existing with them while she's going through this and that being diagnosed in real time at the start of filming this season yeah i mean it's wild and what she is trying to handle and process and also being in uh, in an enclosed space on a boat mm-hmm. while Lisa's screaming about assault because of a juice box and you're undergoing treatment for breast cancer. I mean, I would throttle Lisa yeah. in that moment. I mean, Gertie is a much better person than I am because mm-hmm. I would have fucking, I would have said some shit to her in that moment of like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. But when a child is having a tantrum, I actually don't know what you can say. She just needs yeah. a little time out. That yeah. juice box just maybe let them gonna... tire out. Yeah, that juice box <laughs> might have helped her if you sit in like the bad chair or <laughs> yeah. whatever, whatever parents are doing these days. Have your little juice box, hydrate yourself, mm-hmm. and think about what you did. That was wrong, <laughs> and you overstepped. Um, listen, Tom Smith Smythe, you know I love when you come on Andy's Girls. I love every moment <laughs> of it. Can you tell the AGs a little bit about where they can buy your art and follow you on social and read your many fabulous works? Um, yeah, the uh, Milk and Don't Call Me Honey is the Instagram account of Housewives Quotes. Um, and 
Uh, my other socials are at Tom underscore Smythe underscore on Instagram and Twitter and any writing that I do, which is oftentimes about housewives, oftentimes about Bravo, uh, will be there. Love. And guys, speaking of all things Housewives and Bravo, <laughs> LOL spoiler alert if you're listening to this podcast, um, join the Annie's Girls Patreon. It's the number one way to support the pod. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm losing my voice because I did record an almost three-hour, two-part <laughs> Patreon satchel spectacular that went up this week. It's the number one way, again, to support the podcast. You get exclusive bonus episodes and so much more. And that two-parter includes Reading Rainbow, where I read and analyze <clears throat> excuse me, friends of the pod, Kate Arthur's uh, interview with Heather and Andy and production about all things Salt Lake and Louis Staples um, interview with Monica. So I get into the nitty gritty of unpacking both of those pieces, truly reading thousands of words and what a genuine joy. Both of them are fantastic to read and analyze. And also that Satchel Spectacular where I unpack your thoughts and feels, questions and concerns about all things. Salt Lake. So you can get both of those episodes up now. They're exclusive to the OG of the AG and People's People's Couch Patreon levels at Patreon, patreon.com slash Andy Scrolls. Follow me on Instagram and social at Dame Galley. Oh, Tom Smith Smythe. What a journey. What a joy. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to be in the Clawfist. Thank you so much. The Clawfist is a, is a place of joy mm -hmm. and sometimes brattiness too. <laughs> a little bit of that goes an awful long way. I would have brought a juice box. I mean, so would I, but I haven't had one since I was nine. <laughs> so I guess I just need to find out. Do, are they? I guess they are still made, right? People, kids drink juice. Just for Kiki, I think. Just for Kiki. Do you remember Capri Sun? Oh, yeah. I wasn't. Pouches are big. Pouches. There was also. Um, God, there was another one that was like a rubbery plastic bottle that you like gnawed off oh, like a yeah, chipmunk like with a... your teeth and then yeah. you squirted it into your mouth. Mm -hmm. That meant a lot to me. I wasn't allowed either of them at my house. So I, you know, but a play date oh, opened course. up a wealth of opportunity. Yeah. That was the best part of a play date was like to access what they got going on in yeah. their kitchen. So um, shout out to, I guess, all the Capri <laughs> Sun kids and also the purple and red tall bottle that was mm -hmm. shaped like something special um we see each other in that and we will <laughs> see each other soon thanks so much we'll talk soon okay bye bye <laughs>